Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trevor Bohm, your host. And today I have a good buddy of mine coming on. His name is Mark Henry Sandos. And woof, listen to the title of the book that Mark Henry wrote. It's called Toxic Jesus, From Holy Shit to Spiritual Healing. Like, first of all, I could have this guy on just to talk about titling books or titling articles because that's a home run. When I met Mark Henry, uh, this was in a very small group with a teacher named uh, Robert Masters. And the first thing I noticed about Mark Henry was not his, his accent, was not that he was, he'd been an evangelical pastor, not that he was so sweet and so kind, yet had this extraordinary strength about him. It was that he only had one fucking leg. He had actually just lost his leg to bone cancer a couple months before. And so he is this fascinating story of a man who, while going through cancer, realized how toxic, let's say, his, his relationship as a pastor was with religion. And so now he's written this book to help people unwind, uncouple, and unpack the challenges that, may, that they may have in their life due to some of the toxicity they experience in a religious setting. So whether you are religious, whether you're not religious, whether you have both legs or you got one leg, this is a fascinating conversation with a man who is truly a master and is truly an amazing healer. Enjoy. Mark Henry Sandos. Mark Henry, thank you so much for joining the Uncivilized Podcast. I am so excited to talk to you because you have such a loaded topic here. So for those of you that don't know this man, Mark Henry is the author of the book, toxic jesus from holy shit to spiritual healing i could just sit back right now and go okay how did this title come to you how did this idea come to you please walk people through a little bit of your journey up until writing the book and then we'll talk about the book well thank you Trevor. it's a, such a pleasure to see you and to thank talk you with- yeah yeah just to have you on here again it's good to see you too brother uh Talking about that makes me go back in a very difficult moment, you know, because the the book is born from my whole history. Mm. And it's a history, a lot of this history happened in an evangelical church. But the book began to exist at a very precise moment, you know. Uh, It was two years ago. And I just received two years ago the diagnosis of my bone cancer in the left leg. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I go backwards, but I was pastor in an evangelical church 20 years ago. Okay, you were a pastor. 
I were I was a pastor. I was very dedicated in my evangelical faith. But 20 years ago, I quitted. I left it. Mm. And, you know, I began to live a kind of normal life, a bit interested in spirituality, but in the same time trying to, to recover from this time in evangelical church and from everything that I was little by little opening my eyes on of the toxicity of my faith and of the toxicity of my family of origin because they were using the faith to avoid facing their own anxieties, facing their own wounds and problems. So during a long period, you know, I was with, I would say, kind of light spirituality, a bit agnostic, a bit, uh, for example, I was very interested in yoga and meditation, but I wanted it to become very down to the ground, you know, yeah. uh, kind of how to uh, manage stress and be in the present moment, but don't talk too much with me about anything <laughs> that could be a bit more religious or spiritual or things like that. I hear you. And it was okay. Yeah. Uh, I was struggling with low-level depression. Mm-hmm. I was building little by little a new life. I divorced. I met the beautiful and wonderful woman who is now my wife. Amen. And you know, it was a very great and interesting time, a time of reconstruction mm-hmm. and a time of deconstruction as well because I was deconstructing my own way of living. Yeah. But for me, spirituality, religion, it was really something from the past. Okay. You know? And I had this diagnosis of bone cancer. Yeah, that's a whole other thing we can dive into. Yeah. That, that was very, uh, a very difficult moment, you know? I, I was yeah. terrified. Of course. For me, it was the worst thing I could imagine. I was not even sure that I would survive. Uh, The doctor were beginning to talk about cutting my whole leg, which happened. Yeah. But for those of you who don't know this man, he's also uh, has a full, like a full amputation below the hip, correct? Yeah. On one leg, which is all we could even, we could just take the entire interview that direction. (laughs) Uh, But I think this is far more. No, no, no. I think spirituality and religion is very important, you know, because it's in the same time the thing that, made me go through these moments. Okay. Because moments. So I had this diagnosis and I didn't know what to do. So I began to do what I was teaching to people, you know, breathe and focus on the present moment. And I had quite a intuition, feeling, need to, to do that. And using the name Jesus, as a kind of mantra, you know, to help me to concentrate because I was terrified. It was the night after I had met the doctor and I was in a total mess, in a turmoil. And I began to breathe and to repeat the name of Jesus. Jesus inhale, Jesus exhale. Mm. And I had a very surprising, totally surprising for me spiritual experience. Very quickly, you know, something I had never experienced before. 
I suddenly began to feel kind of peace coming over me. And I had a place of peace in which I could stay and rest. And I was wow. feeling like, you know, the man who is in the eye of the hurricane. Yeah. And it was not this kind of peace, you know, that suppresses the, the difficulties. You know, it was not the kind of peace that you maybe can feel when you are in a worship uh, moment in an evangelical church and you have got a, something a, a bit ecstatic, mm -hmm. which is something I was knowing very well when I was an evangelical pastor. Sure. But it was a peace that was allowing me to see very clearly every emotion and every difficulty that was on my way. I was seeing my terror. I was seeing my anger. Mm. I was seeing my sadness. I was seeing my grief. I was seeing the difficult decisions I had to, I would have to, to take. I was seeing the, the perspective of the changes in my life, but I was feeling this peace and I was feeling a presence wow. that was with me and making me feel that I was able to face what was happening to me. <laughs> mm. You know, and that piece in a very surprising way again didn't left me because the, the day that followed, uh, every time I needed it, I was beginning again to breathe and repeat this mantra mm -hmm. and feeling this piece. It allowed me to, to look the doctor in the eyes and to say, okay, let's go for this amputation. It allowed me to, to go through, you know, the scanner and all the testing and yeah. to hear the diagnosis and to, be, to hear that I would have a chance yeah. to survive because I had no metastasis in other places in my yeah. body. You know, it, it was a very strong experience. Right. And it allowed me to, to let go when I went in the surgery uh, room and, you know, knowing that maybe I wouldn't uh, wake up or maybe I would wake up without my leg. But anyway, it would be something strange. Yeah. And it was with me when I woke up and it was with me all the time after. Wow. And it was very strong. You, you, you see it. Yeah. And it was very different from what I had experienced when I was an evangelical mm. Christian, when I was in my education. And, and in the same time, there was something into that experience that connected me with a part of what I was experiencing that was authentic and that was true yeah. and that was uh, sincere and life-sustaining. Yeah. So it, and, it feels like, Mark Henry, you got contact with the essence of what the teachings around religion and Jesus and Christian, any religion, any major religion proposes to teach or proposes mm -hmm. to give, but so often doesn't. Yeah. Can we, can just for people who are listening, who may not understand, what does it mean to be an evangelical pastor versus yeah. per se a non-evangelical pastor? And can you also walk me back to when you did leave that profession or mm -hmm. expression was that did you leave under duress did you leave with anger did you leave because you were disenfranchised or did you leave because it was like okay i'm just i want to do something else now 
Okay. Being an evangelical Christian is believing that the only way to salvation is believing in Jesus, believing in the Bible, usually believing in a very literal way of reading and interpreting the Bible, and claiming that you have had a personal experience, mm. opening your heart to Jesus, okay. or being born again, or <clears throat> what, what evangelicals call a conversion. Conversion. And conversion, yes. Okay. And, you know, the, the point, and the point that began to disturb me when I was a pastor, little by little, mm. is that I began to realize how much in this way of seeing religion, you need to trace a very clear line, yeah. you know, a clear line between what you have to believe and what you don't believe, mm -hmm. but a clear line between who is saved and who is lost, yeah. who goes to heaven and who goes to hell, who uh, has the right religion and who has the wrong religion yeah. and the right way of living and the wrong way of living. Yeah, so it's very black and, and white, it sounds, very binary. It's very black and white. And, you know, you meet people, but they become projects. Oh, say more about that if you would. If, if I was an evangelical now, yeah. and I would be talking with you like that, yeah. I would listen to you. I would maybe cultivate a friendship and authentic friendship with you, but you would be my project. And my project would be to turn you from an unbeliever into a believer. Mm. Sounds because, pretty manipulative. Because, yes, but <laughs> if I were an evangelical, I would be totally sincere because you I love you, my, my dear, and you yeah. are lost. You are going to hell. So because yeah. I love you, I want to save you. Yeah. I'm not going to save you, but I'm going to bring you into the place where you can be saved. Mm. <laughs> and Sounds like a lot of the conversations I have with vegans. <laughs> exactly. And it's very interesting no because vegan. I find that in very different ways in the yoga world, in the esoteric world, in yeah. a lot of places. Because, you know, what I discovered, and it's the main point of the book, is that any kind of spirituality may become toxic and is going to become toxic in very similar ways. Mm, okay. <laughs> but in the, but I use my experience because it's the one where I discovered that. Sure. So when you went, when you left that, do you call it a profession or do you call it? Well, for me, it was more than a profession. A calling, it, huh? it was my life calling, you know? Okay. When I was very sincere, I was very dedicated. I was successful as well. I we were in a church with a huge team of pastors and yeah. many people, and it was working well. But one thing that was a big problem that I was very, very deeply unhappy. You were very deeply unhappy. Yes, you know, oh, I began man. little by little to realize the the wounds and the frailties that I was trying to hide behind my religious facade. And I realized that it was the same wounds that my family was trying to hide behind this facade. And 
you know, one way it was expressing was the very difficult relationship I had with my ex-wife. Okay. And we both began therapy. Uh, I began to realize that I chose the, the way of being the good Christian and the good uh, person and the good son. And, you know, the one who is going to reassure everybody and first of all my parents mm. and just so that you, you you see a bit that it was quite something strong i choose this role in the family and my sister who is two years younger than me chose the role of the black sheep okay and became schizophrenic Oh, okay, you know? okay. And one thing that opened my eyes is that she was diagnosed uh, around the moment where I began to decide that I would leave my uh, job as a pastor. Oh, you wow. Know? So it's like you went one way, she went the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And not to take yeah. away from a, diag a mental health diagnosis as a choice. Yeah. So, Mark Henry, when you, I mean, this sounds like how does one walk away from a religious calling it's like is there a crisis of faith is there a a bottoming out moment is what's the moment can you walk us back to the moment where you went oh fuck uh i don't think i want to do this anymore and if i make the decision to not do it everything changes that's that's a monumental life mo moment in anyone's in anyone's situation it was very progressive you know i began to question my faith Mm. I began to, to become aware of the way we were building barriers between our group and the rest of the world. And I was beginning to, to feel that it was a lot of fear behind these behaviors. And I was beginning to compare it with Jesus himself, who was so much freer and so much open to people. <laughs> <laughs> then I was seeing me and my fellow uh, evangelicals, uh, yeah. parishioners, uh, being with other people. Can and, you give us an example of the barrier that you felt like was being put up? Oof, a lot of. You know, for example, my, my kid was four years old or five years old, and he was going to the the church for, for for children you know mm -hmm. and he was loving very much a little game that was pokemon uh -huh. <laughs> and one day he came back from the sunday school the the church for children yeah crying because the the nice wonderful smiling lady that loves so much the children but she had told him that pokemons were demons oh undercover and that really he had to stop playing this game if he wanted to be a good christian <laughs> oh, fuck. you know so i was so angry and yeah, shocked too, yeah. and it made me open my eyes okay if we say that to our children yeah it must be uh, that it's very very deeply present mm. in our way of seeing the world Right. And I began to see that kind of behavior in everything. And, you know, there is such a subculture in uh, evangelical Christianity. Probably in, in America, it's even more 
developed than in Switzerland, but in Switzerland it's developed too. We've got Christian rock bands, we've got Christian activities. All, my church was beginning to open a Christian school. You know, all these things just to help protect our children from this bad influence of the world around us, which is really um, threatening. Yeah, like Pokemon. Like Pokemon. <laughs> and so everything the, around. The evils of Pokemon. Yeah. 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 Can so you it was more it? of the, you, you realized how much fear was behind mm -hmm. these barriers coming from a system and doctrine that preaches love and acceptance and yeah. inclusion yeah. on some Definitely. level. Definitely. Okay. And I was beginning, you know, to address it in my preaching. Yeah. And to realize that some people were taking opportunity of it, you know, to, to kind of open and to receive this questioning. Yeah. And some people were reacting very strongly. And I was very soft, you know, I wasn't going uh, head on and uh, yeah. dismantling things. Uh, Myself, I was just asking some questions to myself as well. Right. But little by little, I began to realize, okay, if I want to go um, as deeply as I want into these questions, mm. I cannot stay a pastor. Because, yeah. you know, the pastor, you are the role model. Yeah. You are, I was paid to help people to build their Christian identity in a way. And I was beginning to realize if I stay in my role as a pastor, I'm going unconsciously to limit myself in my freedom of questioning. Okay. And that's the moment where I decided that I had to quit. And I, I told it to my council, the, the council, it was my employer. And uh, mm. I, I told them, leave me six months so that I can find a regular job yeah. and uh, I go. Wow. Right. And so I, I realize a number of years passed in between. What inspired you to write this book? Was so, it conversations you had with other people? Was it your own journey? Share with no, me a bit about that. You know, I wrote this book because everything that we just talked about right now, mm -hmm. it, it had forged my relationship with myself, my relationship with other people, my relationship with uh, reality and with the great mystery or spirituality. But I wasn't realizing how much. Mm. And when I woke up from my surgery, going on with my life, having to face the, the building of a new life without my leg and it was quite tough. Yeah. And I went uh, with Evelise, my wife. <laughs> it was five or six weeks after the surgery. We took the plane to come to the USA and to do a therapy group that was planned long before. And I was recovering surprisingly quick. So we could take the plane and go to this group and do the, the kind of week of intense therapy. We met in the same kind of group with Robert Masters yep. and beginning, you know, to, to do some, some deep inner work, yeah. which was not for me the first time, but it made me 
it's in this group that I realized that my spiritual experience around this moment, this so difficult moment, was was enlightening my spiritual history. Mm. I was feeling, you know, like the man who takes a rock on the on the soil, and you know, you take the rock, and the light comes under the rock, mm-hmm. and you see the insects and the worms and all the things that were hiding mm-hmm. into the darkness, beginning to crawl in panic because of the light coming. Uh, well, you and the rock this up, experience yeah. was shedding a new light on my past. And I was beginning, I could say, to see the roots of my of my present situation mm-hmm. and to reconsider my way of relating. I was beginning to see how much toxicity was still active into my uh, inner life, even 15, 20 years ago, uh, after I've, I had turned my back mm. on evangelical Christianity. I was beginning to realize the tendency to self-sacrifice, the mm. passivity, the fatalism. I was beginning to see the, the way I, it was so difficult for me to treat well my body, to have tenderness for myself, to treat myself with respect and love, you know. I was beginning to see the the tendency (laughs) to to let things go. I was seeing something I was quite aware of, but I was seeing it more clearly, the difficulty to face my emotions and you know the 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 the, the strong uh, compulsion to be the good guy mm-hmm. and you know a lot of things some of them i had already addressed a bit but i was seeing it in more depth and some of them were really new for me wow and this book is really born from this spiritual experience mm-hmm. and in this week of therapy Okay. Yeah. And, it, and what, you know, it's the the light, and I was seeing the little worms crawling. Yeah. And it was the toxic Jesus, the patriarchalist, the toxic Jesus, the negator, the toxic Jesus, the punisher, mm. the toxic Jesus, the uh, the one who is kind of hating the body, and I was seeing yeah. all the toxic Jesus crawling into my inner world yeah. <laughs> during this time. It's very, very uh, intense. I can yeah. Say. So you had a lot of unpacking to do. Yeah. And it I sounds like that the years of evangelicalism and even the years in your family that <laughs> led into that still had left a residue that was informing how that you lived. Hey, gang, I want to take a quick break from chatting with Mark Henry to tell you about my group, The Uncivilized Nation. I want to break the paradigm that men have to go it alone. This lone wolf idea is so ludicrous, and yet it's killing way more men than cancer and cigarettes combined. It's like this idea of isolation. And I want to bring you into this fold of brotherhood, of actually having male support, 
of sharing things that are scary, of celebrating your wins, and of having a group of guys to call you forward and hold you to the standard with which you want to live. If you're interested in this, you guys, the first month is free and I give you my meditation course. Please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the nation and just check us out. All right, back to Mark Henry. So yes. what's, the, what's the first step for people listening to this? Because I have this conversation a lot as well of people who call themselves recovering Catholics, recovering Christians, recovering mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is, even recovering atheists. How, how does one, what's the first step? Is it acknowledging that perhaps you were given teachings that were confusing or hypocritical or manipulative? What's what's the first step in in taking this walk to what what's you know it's so it's so, it's it's so unique, Mark Henry, that we're saying the walk to freedom, which again mm-hmm. is what so many of religions promise as the the holy ground. Yeah. Yet people here are listening to me like, nope, didn't get that. Got a lot mm-hmm. of judgment. Got a lot of shame. Got yeah. a lot of self hatred. Got a lot of yeah. pointing fingers and saying us versus them. Yeah. So what is the first step to walking towards freedom coming out of uh, religious doctrine? I can tell you what was my first step. Okay, please. You, you know, I remember very well after a long, well, maybe the first step is beginning to ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a moment where you have got to, 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 you know, to really make a decision. And I remember uh, in a moment where I was praying, I was still very much Christian, but I said to God, okay, if you are this God, who judges, who condemns, who sends people to hell, who is so angry against, uh, who wants everybody to become the same uh, kind of evangelical robots. You can go fuck yourself. And if I need to go to hell because of that, I will go because I don't want to be uh, somewhere somewhere you you are. Right, right, right. (laughs) There is a kind of, of... facing your own revolt and your own anger mm. and facing your fear because there is a lot of fear yeah into the the, the fundamentalistic mindset right and in the same time i had this image of jesus being with me and saying go on man mm. it's okay I want you to grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. I want you to to become able, you know, to let go of my hands and to work alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was very uh, paradoxical. Yeah. It was a choice between one vision of the divine yeah. and one other. Mm-hmm. I know people who are atheistic mm-hmm. and they had to make this choice between God as something that cannot be anything else than tyrannic and oppressing Mm -hmm. and their freedom, their own freedom. I totally respect that, but I think it's, it's a choice. Uh, There is some faith in this choice as well as in the choice to choose a certain vision of the divine by comparison with another vision. Mm, such a beautiful way to put it. Am I clear? Yeah, you're clear. Yeah. It's 
Yeah. I, I think a lot of people who have embraced atheism per se are really just agnostic. They're saying, I believe yeah. in something. I just don't believe in this really strict set of rules. Exactly. And as you said, of this almighty person who just emanate or being that emanates yeah, yeah. love and acceptance and you are his child. But if you fuck up just a tiny bit, you're going to mm-hmm. burn for all eternity. And yeah, yeah. wow, that's, that's kind of heavy handed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you need to, 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 to be able to question this idea of uh, almighty God. Right. If God is almighty, is so far from the way we can conceive it that is it has nothing to do with what we can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Henry, are you are, do people flock to you now? Or like are you a different version of a pastor? Do you find? I imagine there's so many people who maybe don't have as for lack of a better term, violent reaction to religion but have been, are, 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 are disenfranchised by it mm-hmm. and are looking for a different way and also looking for a way, I have to say it, to just clear out what they perceive or they've experienced as being traumatized by the church. And we're not even getting into the actual trauma of sexual abuse and, and misogyny and patriarchy and, and whatnot mm-hmm. that the church definitely perpetuates. And in the mm-hmm. West, it's it's a lot, let's just say, better than in some other places. But are, are people f- like flocking to you in droves saying, yes, I want a different way and I don't know what it is. And mm-hmm. can you help me release some of this shit that I'm carrying around? I'm going to just pick on the Catholic church for lack of a better one. But like this Catholic baggage that I have, this Catholic guilt or the shame. And if, if, if so, what is the first step you advise them of, of releasing some of this shame and guilt? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have flocks of people coming to me because these two years uh, were very intense for me mm-hmm. of building a new way of of living and yeah. of writing the book. Yeah, <laughs> okay. probably learning how to get around on one leg too. That's got to be a... a yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> learning to use my prosthesis and to adapt to a yeah. lot of things and a new job and so on. But... Uh, I've got some uh, activity as a counselor. Okay. And when I wrote this book, it was very strong in my heart that I was owing it, first of all, to me. Mm. <laughs> and to the inner child and inner teenager, terrified by life, uh, looking for kind of a, a, a meaning for his life that I was meeting during all my inner work and writing this book has been really uh, an opportunity to, to to connect with different parts of me and to integrate and to do a, a self-healing work. Yeah. And it was very strong in my heart that I was owing it to other people who were hurt by religion. And, you know, in a way, during um, 15 years, I was a pastor and I was in a certain way, uh, an abuser. Mm. Because I preached what now I see was hurting me. (laughs) I was doing it with a lot of of love and sincerity. And I had a quite soft preaching, presenting very much the the love of Jesus and uh, something that was in part of it was life-sustaining. But I now 
I know that I I contributed to what I now am denouncing. Yeah. yeah. So I owe this book to people who want to find this freedom. Mm. And it's one of my dreams you know it's to to have more and more the opportunity to to do some counseling with, with people and i in fact i already do it with uh, some people who who know my my path and to this and in uh, in an interesting way uh, they they don't they are not all from a, an evangelical background and okay some people realize that their spirituality is toxic mm. and they come from very different backgrounds. Some come from Christian, Catholic or Jehovah's Witness backgrounds, yeah. but some come from totally different esoteric or yoga or Hindu mm. or Buddhist backgrounds. And, you know, every kind of spirituality may be wonderful and life-sustaining and may, you know, trap you into yeah. this this way of uh, relating with yourself and with the reality. How do you define toxicity around spirituality specifically? Spirituality is toxic when you use it to avoid to face something that you don't want to face, be it uh, an emotion or fear or anger or inner wounds mm -hmm. or, you know, spirituality becomes toxic when it helps you to bypass okay. That's the word. a part of your human experience. Mm. For example, for my, for my father, spirituality became toxic when he began to use it to help him face his own terror of reality because of the traumas he had to endure during the war and when, when he was a child. Mm -hmm. And it's very clear. And he right. be began to build a whole system to cast away the things that he was the most afraid of. But for some other people, they are going to use spirituality to cast away their sexuality mm. or to cast away their, their desires or, right. their, um, or their freedom right. <laughs> or the relativity of human experience. Mm. Or, you know... Yeah. I would say that when you use spirituality to bypass yeah. and there are um, signs that spirituality is toxic is it's when it makes you draw clear lines between what is saved and lost, mm. allowed and uh, forbidden, yeah. uh, what you must believe, what you must not believe, when it makes you give away part of your intelligence, part of your ability to face reality, part of your ability to act and to, to behave responsibly into, into life. Wow, what a, what a beautiful way to state it. Uh, 
it often feels like we can take the totality of the human experience and it is so wide and it is so vast yeah and i'm my flags go up anytime i hear of any doctrine that mm-hmm. says to dismiss avoid bypass compartmentalize yeah any part of the human experience it doesn't mean that we get to run around killing each other mm-hmm. but yet there are very things things that seem and appear to be in our guts very natural yeah and yet those things are disallowed or shamed especially mm-hmm. shamed can you mm-hmm. talk really quickly about the role of shame with mm-hmm. toxic spirituality or with religion or however you want to put it the role shame plays in controlling behavior and how people really start to release that shame. Cause I think that's the word that when I talk to people most, that's got the most weight to it. That's got, that's the one that disallows them from experiencing positive more so than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great question, you know, because shame, toxic spirituality always makes you, cast away things into the shadows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really the... And you begin to see this shadow as the enemy. Mm-hmm. And you begin to separate this shadow from yourself. Okay, huh? this is powerful. You are the, the Christian, the pure one, and you have the, the shadow with something else. Yeah, It's the enemy, it's the devil, it's demons, and so on. And that's why you've got some practices in evangelical churches where you cast away demons. Yeah. And you, are, you cast away demons of fear, demons of gluttony, demons of uh, sadness, demons of any kind of things, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a way to begin to separate yourself between the allowed part and the part that needs to be suppressed. And the shame comes as the guardian of this part that you had to suppress. The, the, guardian. Shame, the guardian. The guardian, yes. Okay. The, the protector. Yes, the protector, exactly. Okay. The, the shame is, you know, the is the thing that you cannot go through in order to connect again with this part that you casted away. Oh, what a beautiful way to put it. You see that? Yeah. So when I began to connect with my inner parts that were cast away into the shadows, in the beginning, it was connecting with very uh, strong sensations, feelings, uh, body sensations yeah. and behind this body sensation there were emotions and there were memories and experiences mm. and always there is a shame that tells you you don't have to go there it's dirty yeah. it's not allowed You what you are going to find is horrible you don't want to see that because you are going to feel so bad to be such a mess, such an horrible person, such an horrible creature. You know, it's the shame yeah. that tries to prevent you from connecting. And when you go through this shame and you begin to connect with this uh, part that you cast into the shadows, what you are going to find usually 
is a, a terrified little child or a terrified little teenager who maybe is very angry or maybe is very hurt or maybe is very confused. But what he needs is the adult you are now with your abilities, with what you have learned, with what you are developed as strengths and as skills. And he needs this adult to come and to embrace him and to begin to spend time with him and to begin to, to reassure him and to listen to him and to see him mm. and to see him without uh, fear, without shame, without blame, without judgment. That when this begins, it's so sweet mm. and so beautiful and the shame goes away. Yeah. There is an healthy shame it's the shame of when I really did something wrong that hurted people. For example, I've got some shame about some things that I said when I was a pastor. Mm. Some things that were condemning people, that were... You, you, you see what I mean? You've yeah. got my point. I, I've got some shame. And this is a healthy shame and it's very e easy to deal with. It's yeah. okay. I didn't know. I was wrong. Yeah. And I hurted people. Maybe I can do something to, to make things better. Yeah. Probably I have to pardon myself For sure. and to treat myself with tenderness and to, you know, to the same way I would do it if a friend of mine were coming and say, oh, I've done something wrong. And okay, what can you do? To repair it but yeah. okay you are not a bad person no problem did you learn from what happened yeah. and did you grow from it yeah. through it yeah. that's a good shame but this shame that we are talking about is the shame that make you avoid this inner encounter right and right. it's a toxic shame and when you go through it it dissipates Mm. and on the other side is that integration is that wholeness and is that freedom that it sounds like you experienced through calling the actual energy of the christ energy the christ consciousness not per se the christ character that christianity is portraying and the rules that that seem to follow him is yeah. that a clear thing to say yeah, you, you totally can say it. And it's not a Christian thing. Mm -hmm. Say more about that. You know, I think every religion tries to talk about an experience of the great mystery. Mm. And doing it, the, the people who had this experience, people have strong experiences of the divine. It happens, it's part of human history. When it happens, people try to talk about it. When they talk about it, they give you the opportunity to, to think and to, to follow it and to open to new dimensions. And in the same time, they take the risk to give it, a, to, they put it in some kind of box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So every religion is in the same way an opportunity to discover something and a box. Mm. 
<laughs> in the same way, uh, a portal to something, yeah. an opportunity, and in the same way, it's limiting. Uh, and it can become the trap you put yourself in right. to uh, limit yourself and to bypass part yeah. of your humanity and to avoid the freedom of exploring, growing, changing, questioning, and so doubting. It's a great yeah. freedom to be able to doubt and, and so on, you know. So I think every religion needs to be questioned. Every religion needs to talk together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my archetype, my way of relating to the divine is very much influenced by Christianity because it's my roots. Sure. And it's a language that I know very well. Sure. I know people, for example, in the yoga world, or I know witches uh, who, <laughs> who, who have the same kind of experiences that I had. And they use totally different archetypes. Yeah. But when we talk together, when we share together, we have, we can feel the connection and we can feel that we try to talk about the same thing. Yeah. Mm. For example, uh, a great friend of mine and who was a great support for me during these two years, so difficult, is Siana Sherman. She's a well-known figure in the, in the yoga world and I've met her in a kind of witch week, discovering the strange practices and shamanism. <laughs> and, and she wrote the foreword of the book. And she's one of the most spiritual and open and free and loving person I know, yeah. you know. And I was so happy that she could write the foreword for this book because I really wanted to, to show that um, it's not a question of what is your label. Right. It's a question of, of what is your attitude towards the great mystery. Ah, uh, what a beautiful... And yeah. when you've got a, a right attitude, and this is a personal choice and a personal work, you are going to be able to use your religion or other religions in a way that helps you to grow. Mm. And you are going to be able to look at your spiritual heritage mm. and to begin to become aware of the toxic parts of this heritage and to find your freedom and to claim your freedom from these toxic parts because everybody needs to do that. It's part of the spiritual path. It's opening, growing and so on, but it's in the same way to become aware of the toxic parts because they are present in any spiritual uh, journey. For sure. Thank you. So that's beautifully, beautifully illustrated. Mark, I mean, before we jumped on the, before we hit record, you, we were talking about how many people you who do reach out to you who are stuck in this place of anger and like a box of anger. Mm -hmm. What's, what's a piece of advice you could give to someone who even hearing this conversation just feels overwhelming anger. And that's, that's it. What's, what's step one for them? Step one is you are totally right to be angry. Mm, thank you. You have to, and you need to, and there is there are 
total, there are reasons to be angry. I'm still angry. Mm-hmm. And my book is full of anger. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe anger, I know for myself that I can use anger to avoid to, um, to avoid to face uh, some more vulnerable parts. And behind my anger, uh, I, when I was writing this book, I relate some very traumatic moments uh, of my childhood. Uh, and writing it, I was full of anger. Mm. And doing the inner work with the reading, with the writing, and I began to connect with the the pain, the deep pain, and the wounds, and the inner child that was behind this anger, mm. and that needed to not only to be to be released in order that he can proclaim his anger, but we needed to be met and to be seen and yeah. to, be, uh, to be taken by the hand and integrated in my present experience again. And this book is full of anger, but gave me a, a, a much more peaceful relationship with uh, my own Christian heritage uh, you know, I, I'm probably much more aware of the toxicity of what I've been through, but yeah. I feel more compassion for the people who still are into it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to excuse anything. And and so <laughs> I've got a friend who was um, into the the church when I was pastor, and he was he was gay. Yeah. It was a teenager, he was in my youth group, and there was no place for him even to realize and to to, to put words on the fact that he was gay. Mm-hmm. And now he is um, leading a kind of inclusive group mm. for helping people to recover from their traumas in churches. Yeah. Uh, especially for gay and uh, LGBTQ plus uh, people, so on. And we talk a lot about that, but this this, uh, necessity to go through your anger, Mm. to to let this anger fuel the revolt and the desire to change things, but to use this anger as well to, to... to go deeper into your own need of being healed, of being met, of being seen wow. in your vulnerability. D- does it make sense? Is, yeah, that's, it? That's yeah, so beautiful. Thank you so much for that. That's That alone is going to help a lot of people. And just the idea of you know hearing from a man who preached it one way and now sees the inclusivity that perhaps was missing and the necessity for the allowance of inclusivity. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, yeah, I think that in itself is, is, 
the cultural shift that we mean we need to make in a lot of places, not just in religion. Mm-hmm. Mark Henry, where can people find you? Find this book, get a hold of this book. I have a I, I'm so glad I know you now. I have a feeling this is going to take off and you're going to be a lot harder to get on an interview in a year from now. Where do you hang out? Do you have social media and where can people get the book? So the, the book is available on Amazon. Okay. When we record this podcast, it's only um, available in the ebook format, but you just uh, type Toxic Jesus and it's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done on the title, by the way. I love it. <laughs> and it it's going very soon be, to be available in the paperback. Okay. And I've got a website, markhenrysandos.com. It's just my name.com. Okay. And we'll throw and that all in the show notes. Yeah, for people. You, you can connect with me through this, uh, this channel. And Amazing. I've got an Instagram uh, thread, but it's not something I'm uh, constant with. Okay. So find yeah. people who are interested in working with you or connecting with you, go through yeah, the website. Go, go to my website and uh, just send an email. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you again so much, brother. Just first of all, so good to see you. Uh, You're thriving. I love the the look of fire in your eye. I'm so glad this book has come to life. And thank you just for giving people the opportunity to question what they they may not have had before. I think that right now is, is the most holistic and healing approach we can all take to the situations we find Mm -hmm. ourselves in. Yeah. Yeah. Love you, brother. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Cheers, man. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.